Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming your way once again for a Breaking Bad recap. And we are in to, believe it or not, the finale of season two. It seems like we just started these yesterday. ABQ, the 13th and final episode of season two. It first aired on the 31st of May, 2009. Written by Vince Gilligan, directed by Adam Bernstein or Bernstein, whatever floats your boat. And uh, we've all been building up to this. We've all been wondering what's going on with the floating stuff and the pink bears and everything along those lines. Did you guess what it was? Probably not, because I don't think anyone guessed what it was. It's a very unique uh, ending to this season and a very unique uh, episode with lots of stuff to really talk about in this episode. And I'm very excited to get into this. My name is Ben, and you want 2% or skim? (laughs) <laughs> My name's Nick and um, stay and I will tell you everything. Oh, well, thank you. I'm looking forward to that. Um, kind, of, kind of my job, right? Though, but, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, you're the one with the books and the smarts, so uh, <laughs> that's that's kind of how it goes. Um, ABQ, Nick, um, you've mentioned in the last couple of weeks that this is kind of like the trilogy, the final three episodes. We're kind of at the end of not only this trilogy, but the end of this season, a very bookended season of planning and everything else. And... Uh, a pretty, I mean, again, not the most epic finale. I kind of feel like I'm saying similar things I said about season one, but it's still pretty epic. It's got some, I mean, I've, I've noted down four possible top five moments, um, but yeah, there's some big moments in this episode and uh, I quite enjoy this episode. Yeah, I think there's a lot of parallels between the season one finale and this one of like, you know, massive moments and the the, uh, the penultimate episode, I suppose you call it. Um, and then this one is kind of, you know, tying up a few loose ends um, and they kind of a little bit, plan to be standalone but then kind of bleed over into the next season almost by mistake i think a little bit um but this one kind of yeah it's, it's meant to be kind of answering a lot of questions um you know and yeah it's the, it's the end of the trilogy of the last three episodes but also the end of this kind of you know what are all these kind of cold opens with the teddy bear all about and and obviously we can get into um, um episode titles and those that are linked together and all that kind of stuff so yeah it, it is really designed to answer a lot of questions um and and it does um it doesn't kind of leave you hanging too much which is really nice um but yeah I think there's there's a lot of great stuff to talk about on this episode too, even if it's maybe not as amazing as potentially what we've had over the last two, but, but maybe you do like it as much. I think it will probably just depend on personal taste, really. I was the dumb one that uh, when it comes to episode titles that I didn't realise this little connection between the four episode titles that basically 
uh, start with this black and white opening um, that if you put all four of them together, you get what happens, basically. So, um, yeah, I mean, was this something that people worked out pretty quickly or was this just something that kind of it came to light that Vince Gilligan shared? Because I don't know if we want to talk about it now or next episode or later in this episode, but it's, it's so clever and it's kind of very obvious once you realise it. Well, at the time, I don't think it was particularly obvious. I don't think this was something that people were waiting around to to look at. It's one of the things that became a bit of a Vince Gilligan um, kind of hallmark, I suppose you'd say, um, and especially maybe not so much with um, Breaking Bad, but definitely with Better Call Saul was that he tries this again with Better Call Saul and the audience are onto him by then and they kind of figure it out. The internet figures it out. And I remember um, if we ever get to talk about um, Better Call Saul, we can talk about it then. But I remember Vince Gilligan getting very annoyed because he tried to hide a big clue in the in the episode titles and it got figured out way quicker than he had, he kind of intended so I think this is really the first time so I, I don't I think this came as a bit of a surprise to everybody I don't think they were particularly looking for it um, but yeah it, it is really clever and it kind of speaks to the fact that this season was particularly um, meticulously planned um, in a way that maybe future seasons are, are not um, so so yeah you get some fun stuff that kind of makes this season a little bit um, unique in and of itself We'll get to that. Um, let's get straight into the story, though, because we get our final of our little cold opens, essentially, here. Um, and it's kind of just really capping everything that we've seen. We've got this pink teddy bear, a floating eye. We've got things being swept out of the pool. We've got bodies being carried off, smashed uh, car outside of Walt's house. Uh, and then we kind of see a sign saying about evidence, do not touch. And then we get this big pan across the neighborhood where we get an NTSB, which I think is the National Transportation Safety Bureau, I believe, uh, just off the top of my head, if I'm working out what that might mean. Uh, and then kind of we turn to color and we see smokestacks in the background uh, behind Walt's house and police cars and people in hazmat suits. So, um, I mean, yeah, if we're kind of wondering what's going on now, we're really questioning this now, aren't we? Uh, sort of the way this is... Uh, Open. One thing I want to point out, um, which I think is kind of a fun little trope to remember, uh, more so into next season, is uh, the smashed windscreen on Walt's car. This kind of comes almost like Jesse getting bashed up every third episode, I feel. like it's, um, <laughs> It quite becomes a thing that Walt's windscreen always is smashed. Um, so yeah, I just think that's funny. <laughs> becomes a bit of a minor plot point um, in, in season three. So we'll definitely come back to that when we get there. But, yeah, I think this is, um, you know, like obviously we see – um, you know, the bits and pieces of, of the first three of these cold opens that we've had in the series. And um, we get some kind of cool stuff. Like I like the um, the kind of, the I guess it's kind of like a GoPro or whatever that's kind of in the evidence bag that kind of follows the teddy bear around. Um, and, and so you get that. And then obviously you kind of get the, you know, when it does that scan out and you kind of see all the helicopters in the sky and, and the smoke plumes and stuff, it actually goes into colour for the first time. So then that's kind of your clue that we're going to find stuff out, you know. If, and I don't know if that was something that was that was known at the time or if that's something that um you know like i i don't know what the kind of marketing campaign was for season two at the end here it was like you're going to find out um but if you weren't expecting it i think this is your big clue that you are going to now find out but one thing i will say that i don't like about it um is that i mean in real in all realisticness it doesn't like after this season, it's kind of, it's nothing, isn't it? Like it's, I mean, it's outside of the Jane stuff. Um, like what we're going to get, I mean, again, I know it's about sort of the domino effect and choices and kind of what they're doing is is causing different things. I understand the point behind it and I love that. I love kind of 
you know, that sliding doors kind of nature, which Vince Gilligan does. But it's just a little nitpick. I'm not saying like I absolutely despise it and feel like this should be a talking point for the remaining, you know, four, three seasons. But it's just kind of like, I feel like once you're middle of uh, season three, you kind of forget that what happens at the end of this episode happens, if you know what I mean. Like it's kind of, it's, I don't know how you feel about that. That's the one thing that I'm kind of like, okay, well, it was good and I enjoyed it. But at the end of the day, does it really bring anything outside of those domino effect choices? Yeah, well, I think it's probably something we need to kind of talk about once we get the full reveal at the end of the episode. Um, but yeah, obviously there's a little bit of carryover into the first couple of episodes of season three. And then it does become a bit of a, a dropped plot point. It really is to just kind of get us through the end of this. And uh, look, I'm really interested to talk about how effective this is so i guess probably um I'm, I'm agreeing with you but i'm 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 keen to kind of talk about it once we have all the information at the end of the episode really as well because yeah i think i think you and i are going to be on the same page well, well we'll we'll get to that um but yeah kind of after the credits we've got jesse like i, I do kind of like this pov shot where you think like somebody's having sex basically you've kind of got like these the springs of a bed and then ultimately it's kind of complete opposite it's jesse just uh you know cpr on jane it's it's very harrowing very sad everything like that i just want to say aaron paul is absolutely outstanding in this episode just beyond outstanding um, yeah. I don't think he got an Emmy until what about season three, season four. Uh, but holy crap, like this episode alone, like how he didn't get something for it, I don't know. But um, I mean, just this scene alone when he's just breaking down over Jane and then crying and then calls up Walt and obviously, you know, Walt saying like, I know who to call and it's not Ghostbusters. It's uh, basically the Ghostbusters of Breaking Bad. We meet Mike. Here he is. Uh, was it Ermin Trout? Am I saying his last name correctly? Yeah, I'll butcher I think it. that's right. Yeah, I'll butcher it many times. But uh, this is it. This is our gang now, basically. We met Gus a couple of episodes ago, Sol a few episodes before that. Now we've got Mike. We've got our core five, essentially, of the of the male characters, like, like this group. I'm not taking away from people like Skylar and Marie and sort of people like that. But if you think of your main people that drive this storyline, it's those five. It's Jesse, it's Walt, it's Sol, it's Gus, and it's Mike. And here he is. Um, and Oh, like I, I forget how late he kind of comes into it. I always think Mike's someone that's kind of there from the beginning. But um, Jonathan Banks is just, I mean, he's kind of the same in everything. <laughs> but when you see him, he's great. And I watched a, a video clip uh, since we last recorded. It's like top 50, you know, facts about Breaking Bad that you didn't know. And like most of them we know. But like there was one there apparently basically saying that Jonathan Banks's uh, casting call was so good that somebody wrote something along the lines of, this guy cannot get any better or something like that. Like just the, the absolute comments for this guy in casting for this character was just perfect. Um, and I believe like he wasn't initially cast as Mike. He was cast as someone else. And then who they wanted to play Mike had to pull out. So therefore he then got the role of Mike. So yeah, I mean, I don't know, like just Mike is amazing. I, I, I just want your initial thoughts on Mike. I know we're kind of jumping the gun here, but I mean, Mike is just, just amazing. Yeah. And I think probably the, the other story that's kind of, known about Mike is that this was meant to be a one episode kind of cameo really that um basically um you know Saul the the character of Saul you know he wasn't available on on this particular day so they kind of had to have somebody to kind of stand in to to be a character on the show that could do Saul's bidding basically um and and he was so good that they kind of kept him on which is interesting because he's in a scene with with Jesse who Aaron Paul had exactly the same thing happen right is that um he was not meant to be a long-term character on the show but was so good they kept him on so it's interesting that you know Mike's introduction is a, is a similar type of thing so yeah I think he's really good I think he just kind of 
of fits this role um, perfectly, really. You know, like I think he's just kind of like this fixer that kind of turns up and um, just, yeah, he just kind of saunters onto the screen. Um, feels like he fits perfectly. Um, you don't get any backstory for him. It's just kind of like this, yeah, this this kind of fully formed character again, which is something I feel like I say a lot about these new characters that arrive, that they're kind of just perfect the minute they walk onto the set, you know, and, and that's kind of a real mark of it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of this character. I think this, I think this is a character that serves a really kind of useful purpose on the show going forwards as well. I think he is a real... Um, <laughs> Like he is a, a a foil for for Walt, I suppose I'd say. Like I think he just he gets under Walt's skin in a way that maybe other characters don't, and I I really appreciate that about him. So yeah, I think it's I think he's a great character. Um, just one thing I just want to just quickly touch on with the, the 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 first scene here is that actually um Kristen Ritter had to wear kind of like this this kind of metal kind of chest plate for that scene because obviously like Aaron Paul could have done quite a bit of damage if he wasn't careful in terms of the chest compressions and stuff. So yeah, I just thought that was quite an interesting little point as well. That's cool. Yeah, I was gonna wonder like I mean, I can't imagine that any actor has to play dead for this period of time, particularly when they're kind of, you know, got somebody on top of them doing this and breaking down. I mean it can't be can't be easy for sure but um there's, um, there's also like another cool little story about my um about jonathan banks at jonathan banks and um the guy who plays um jane's dad actually were on a, a some other tv show you know way back in the day together and actually had a kissing scene <laughs> which oh. is like wow. which is like fantastic like That's... yeah like they they don't really have a scene together on the show but they're both on the same episode um <laughs> yeah so just like that's pretty funny yeah I do like it when you have that. I know, um, spoiler alert for people who want to watch Third Watch and don't want to get spoiled on storyline, but uh, the Bobby Cannavale's character, Bobby, gets shot by a guy called Paulie and dies. And I can't remember the guy who plays Paulie, but I think I was flicking channels once and I think it was that prison show Oz or something like that that existed. And both of them were on that and they were like, yeah, hooking up. In a, in a cell and I'm like oh well he's come a long way from murdering him in third watch so now fucking him um, and then it was uh, same with uh, recently on Lost we were talking about the characters of Charlotte Naomi and then I was watching an episode of White Collar and the actress who plays Naomi on White Collar is, is, is gay and then she hooks up with the actress who played um, Charlotte and I was like oh okay they get to know each other quite well on a different show so I wonder if they do that like I wonder if say like on White Collar they did that deliberately knowing they were both on Lost so like let's hook them up that'll be funny I, I don't know maybe it's just you know, you know when like you get like uh, like didn't um, Lisa Kudrow make an appearance on Cougar Town or something like that? They'll get like a Friends actor onto one of the Friends other shows to kind of make it a thing. Like I know David Schwimmer and the guy who played Gunther was on uh, episodes with Matt LeBlanc. It was kind of you know like fun right. little reunions they did. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's, that's cool. Yeah, I like it when they do things like that. Um, uh, one thing we point out is Vince Vince Gilligan loves his colors and references. Does he like his bold characters? Like. <laughs> You know, he's he's got a fetish for the bald because it's not even. This isn't the last bald character. We're going to get two more next season. I mean, what is it with Vince Gilligan and the baldies? Yeah, it is quite strange that um, you have these characters that could all be, you know, like reasonably confused with each other. Um, and and yeah, it, it never really feels that way. I never, I never really feel like we have a moment where you're confusing these characters. But it could, you know, like it's one of those things of like when you were kind of doing promotional shots, you want everybody to kind of look different on the posters. And yeah. we've suddenly got a lot of these characters that look quite <laughs> similar to each other. It's Yeah, it is interesting. One thing I actually want to say on that site tangent, but we're on the same topic, uh, the top 50 facts. And this is a one that you can maybe think of right now. Or you might know the answer or maybe come back to it at the end of the episode because I was fascinated by this. Um, Jesse, in the entire series of Breaking Bad, there's only one main character he never has any interaction with. Who is it? Mm, 
that's a really good question. Is it mm. um, is it Walt Junior? It is Walt Junior. Yeah. See, like I, I mean, it's kind of obvious when you think about it, but I I was blown away by that. I'm like, oh, okay, mm. they never they never meet. So yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if that's a spoiler, which, which is but, yeah. which I think is really interesting because I think um, you know there's this kind of weird father son dynamic between Walt and Jesse throughout the whole show, and I think um, you know you could argue, and I think probably correctly so that um, that Walt feels like a closer connection to Jesse than he maybe does to his own son at certain points in the show, um, and yeah, and so so I think that that's quite interesting that those two actually never meet. Hmm, yeah, it was, it was quite an interesting video, actually, to be honest with you. But anyway, so we, we meet Mike for the first time, the fixer guy, and basically um, he's here to clean up essentially what's going on in front of him. So the scene here, so he cleans up all the drug paraphernalia. He's got his little bag, and basically I love how they do the wipe. And does that work? Like, I mean, is that that simple? If I kill someone, I just wipe down my fingerprints and they're gone? Like, I feel I've seen enough episodes of CSI to think that this doesn't work. Um, so anyway, but Mike, I don't want to spoil what Mike used to do. If you've watched Better Call Soul, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I won't jump to that conclusion straight away. But uh, so he cleans it up. We've obviously got Jane still laying there, and then kind of this is – Mike's uh, whole spiel here to Jesse about, uh, you know, this is what's going to happen. Uh, you're going to have uh, the, the the body collector people, the medical coroners come across, maybe the police. if they're, I like how he kind of explains, like, if they're not busy, a drug overdose is not their priority. Um, and you were going to say, I woke up, I found out, that's all I know. Repeat it after me. I woke up, I found it, that's all I know. Slaps him. I woke up, I found it, that's all I know. Kind of quizzes him off if there's any, you know, guns or drug paraphernalia in the house. Again, just Aaron Paul's brilliant here. You know, uh, Jonathan Banks is brilliant here. It's not to take away from him. Like, you know, great first scene to introduce him to it. But just just the absolute shock that uh, obviously Jesse's still in with this and, um, yeah, literally getting slapped into shape to kind of toe this line of I woke up, I found it, that's all I know. And then I do like Mike, like, I don't have to state the obvious. I was never here. So, yeah, I mean, it's a great introduction. This, this sums up Mike as a character, doesn't it? This is what Mike does. Yeah, yeah, and when you say literally, you really do mean literally because he was literally slapping Aaron Paul in these scenes. Um, so yeah, that was you know making making real contact with him over and over again, and you think like how many times they they shot the scene. So Aaron Paul got a bit of a hiding here, which is not the first and not the last time he's going to get a hiding. Um, so so yeah, I, I think it's a great introduction to this character. Like, I mean, when you think about Mike, what do you think about? He's kind of this no nonsense character. Like, there's no emotion really. It's just get the job done. Um, you know, he has a prime directive, you know, he's a bit like the Terminator, I guess, in some ways, like he is yeah. just, just does the job. Um, and yeah, you perfectly get the essence of who this Mike character is going to be. Um, and I think probably that's why him and Walt kind of like um, come into tension as the show goes forwards, because Walt's as much as he thinks he's this calm, steady character, he is actually very emotional and acts on his emotions a lot. Um, and and Mike's the exact opposite. You know, he's cool, calm, collected. He makes rational decisions the whole way through, and he kind of doesn't get goaded into doing stupid things. So they are kind of polar opposites in some ways, and and kind of these two um, kind of competing influences on Jesse, I suppose you'd say. So so yeah, um, I think this is a, a a really great introduction scene. You know, I think. Um, one thing the show does really well is whenever we get a new character, we are introduced to them in a, in a really compelling way. Um, and, and you're really interested in, in who this character could be going forwards. 
Yeah, no, absolutely agree. Uh, we kind of get two sort of transition scenes here. Another breakfast scene, which is always entertaining. Um, Walt Jr. is getting a bunch of money. We're hearing the ding, ding, ding. All the money's coming through. So this money laundering thing that Saul set up is working. Um, I, I do love the slow nature of this. Like we're only up to whatever it is amount of money and kind of, you know, he's got uh, what $400,000 to get there. So it's going to take a while. Uh, and then we also have Jane's dad. Uh, driving to the apartment, obviously, we remember that uh, he was meant to pick her up, take her to rehab, uh, that you're going to be ready to go. Is this the first time we ever hear the, um, the if you are calling to sell me something, I've got four little words for you, do not call this. Like, I think it's the first time, because we'll hear that uh, voicemail a little bit next season. Mm. Um, and, yeah, obviously her dad shows up, and uh, unfortunately he sees an ambulance and uh, realises what has uh, basically happened. Uh, I might just sort of include the scene here or obviously goes inside and we see uh the coroner's collecting uh jane's body kind of it's the line there where the guy say like you might not want to be here for this and just the sheer look on his face like yeah like i might not be the biggest fan of this character but like i mean the actor who plays him is fantastic mm. um and then you know we've got this sort of section where the the police are basically asking jesse you know when's the date of birth all this and he doesn't know any of this of course so her dad walks in and basically um, gives all that information. Uh, same with the um, mother's maiden name and where she's from and everything. And he ultimately takes uh, the apology girl sketch and sketch and goes off to drive with them back to the the morgue or the hospital wherever they're going. And um, Jesse doesn't go with them. They sort of ask if he's coming with them too. So you kind of like it's not sort of the scene I was maybe expecting. Like cause the last time we saw these two, I guess in the same room to each other. Like he was basically bashing Jesse and Jesse had a baseball bat, but this time around he's kind of more shocked than anything, isn't he? Where he's not really going to be, I guess, goating Jesse. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's all pretty, uh, pretty intense, pretty full on and kind of, yeah, the after effects of, uh, you know, obviously no doubt coming and finding sadly that his daughter has overdosed. Yeah. And I, I think probably what I, what I like about this actor, you know, we obviously don't see a lot of him, but um, you know, I, I do kind of like the kind of facial acting here. Um, so it was John, De, Don, John Delancey, I think is the name. Um, and yeah, I think just that kind of, you know, as he drives up that kind of look of, of, you know, he's not, he doesn't burst into tears. It's this kind of look of kind of resignation, like almost as if he's expecting it, you know, like it doesn't feel um kind of shocking to him it's just like oh this is not a surprise um and yeah it's just it's a, it's a brilliant little piece of facial acting there and i think there's a few just a few kind of shots and scenes here that i think kind of really hammer this home i think kind of like you get that shot like basically from you know the bottom of jane's feet kind of looking up as they kind of like roughly kind of chuck her into a body bag which is you know when i listen to the commentary in this episode they're saying you know that's kind of what it's like for these guys who this is their job every day it's like you know they kind of have to be a bit desensitized to it and they just have to get bodies in bags that's kind of what their job is and yeah. you know these guys who you know they're wearing kind of like these back braces because they're used to kind of lifting people and you know like it's yeah i just i think they're just some nice touches that kind of bring the the reality of this home and and yeah i think you kind of see that you know the last time these two characters interacted with each other it was like a violent scene and they're you know like yelling at each other and baseball bats and things like that and this time around there's just there's no energy from either of them to have a fight about it you know it's just like all the energy's been just sapped out of them because of what you know a, a shared grief and a shared loss but 
they can't share it because you know that they they are not they're not friends they're not family it's you know they're both just lost the same person but they have to grieve separately and i, I think it's yeah i think it's just a kind of a, a really nice scene um you know it, it, it kind of just it kind of brings the reality of what this must be like when when situations like this happen yeah and it's i think it's the last time we ever see these two together isn't it I don't yeah think I, would, I would yeah i think so yeah so um yeah it's it's yeah it's interesting you say that kind of like because yeah those coroners and that that's what they do for a living you know it's um mm. it's no different to i think i talked to someone recently who worked in like a, a funeral parlor like that's just what they do every day like it's mm. no different to you you do council shit i don't know exactly <laughs> what you do but you do council shit like i mean you know <laughs> very important i'm sure um so yeah but we um get uh walt and skylar are getting excited over the dinging sound still um uh, Walt's uh, got the phone trying to find Jesse, um, see how it all went, and he's eventually going to find out where he is, and we're going to see him uh, with Mike for the very first time in just a moment. We've got a DEA scene here with Hank uh, passing around a donation jar for Walt, and uh, basically the highest um, highest donation gets a six-pack of Schrader Brow, and the lowest donation gets two packs, two six-packs of uh, Schrader Brow. I, and I, I, again, like... So it's been a while, I feel, since we've kind of had the uh, Hank investigates kind of uh, situation because now we're talking a bit about Combo and how, you know, why was he peddling Blue Sky? Is this the first time we've heard it called Blue Sky? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Which is what it is basically known from for, for the rest of it. Um, so he's kind of questioning why a low-peddling junkie is doing this. Uh, we, we learn about the bold guy who got taken to jail and how Hank doesn't obviously believe that this is really Heisenberg. He thinks that Heisenberg's still out there, and then we find out that it's no longer being distributed locally, but uh, throughout other states, so Texas, Nevada, Colorado, sort of the southwest, which I, I guess kind of plays into uh, what we're going to learn about Gus, essentially, that kind of it's being distributed around, uh, which is kind of that line, which I don't think we really mentioned last episode, when, you know, Gus could be in any one of his 14 restaurants around the southwest. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it makes sort of sense how he's... Uh, Kind of, kind of got a bit of a front going on for his operations. So, again, I like Hank Investigates uh, and kind of, you know, setting this up a little bit for what we're going to get next season about how, yeah, it's gone quiet on the New Mexico front, but uh, we've still obviously got a bit of an issue going on here that it's been uh, distributed around there. So, um, yeah, I, I like a good Hank Investigates scene and, uh, you know, the whole the rope and the pins on the board and sort of, you know, connecting all the photos on a wall. Yeah, I think it is really good, and I, I think it kind of brings Hank back into the show because I think he's been a little bit missing over the last couple of episodes while we've been doing other things, um, and, and that's really cool. But, you know, Hank's going to be a really important part of the show as we move forward, so it's nice to kind of bring him back in and bring in the fact that um, – you know, like I think probably the last, maybe the last time we saw Hank, or one of the last times we saw Hank was, you know, like when this this um, guy was, you know, agreeing to be arrested and all that kind of stuff. And 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 now we're kind of getting the thing of like, well, the blue meth's still out there, so it wasn't that guy, you know. So that's kind of we're just kind of picking up on that thread again, which I think is really important. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's a great scene. I think um, these are kind of almost starting to set up season three as opposed to kind of closing out season two, which is which is great. It kind of feels like it's a, a natural world that doesn't always have these clean finishes at the end of a season so it kind of makes a lot of sense to me um yeah i think i think it's a great scene um and i, I do love that idea that hey we're, we're now dealing with something that's kind of going national or at least kind of regional um yeah it's, it's starting to feel bigger which is great and also i yeah i like the fact that you're in setting it up for the next season it, it doesn't feel so like 
cliffhangery and forced that like, oh, we're going to come back to this. Like it's just, it is very sort of natural. It's just kind of, it's trans, you know, transcending to the next season. It's not just yeah. shock and awe essentially to kind of, you know, put it, put it into the next season. Um, yeah, this next scene is, I'm saying right now, one of my top five nominees. Uh, basically we have uh, Walt with Mike for the very first time. Uh, they've found Jesse. And um, this is a place which is called the Shooting Gallery, essentially, I'm seeing here on uh, Breaking Bad Wiki. And uh, Mike's essentially saying that, uh, look, you know, if I was you, I wouldn't go in there. Like the the Albuquerque police are known to sort of sit on here uh, and kind of, you know, do some sting operations. So I wouldn't go in there. But Walt doesn't listen. And we just go into this just disastrous looking place we talked about you know the other week kind of the showing the the glorified nature of what happens when you take drugs when jesse was sort of floating which uh, we found out how they film that we'll maybe talk about that next week if you remember um but this is kind of the opposite this is just a, an absolute squalor of disgustingness um you know we've got all these really sketchy looking people i guess stereotypical people of what you think about sort of taking drugs and everybody's just sort of laying here and just disheveled and is, is there not even like a couple like having sex on the ground or something yeah. like that like it's just everything's just just yeah just your worst nightmares if you if you have kids and you are worried about them taking drugs you'd want them to see something like this like you know you just you wouldn't want them to show up in a place like this and Walt finds Jesse who's just passed out on the ground and sort of shakes him into gear and kind of just Jesse is just gone. He's, you know, saying it was his fault that he killed her and, uh, you know, Walt's trying to calm him down and just, oh, just, I, I cried watching this. Just when he just, just absolutely breaks down and just says how much he loved her and just like, just, oh, Aaron Paul, just insane. Uh, just so goddamn good. And I mean, this is just an episode again where I'm saying there's potentially four top five moments and, and two really strong ones. Um, I mean, this is one of the two really strong ones. This is just incredible. It's it's heartbreaking. It really is. I, I can't think of a more heartbreaking Jesse scene that we will get in this show. Um, it's just it's just so raw and emotional. You just feel for this kid so much right now. Even though, like, yeah, you can sit here and go, well, he took the drugs, he did this, he did that, sure. But, like, you, you can't take away this kid's pain right now. Well, and I think the fact that he's also breaking down to the guy that actually was directly responsible for, well, more directly responsible for Jane's death, and he doesn't know that. And I think that's the kind of heartbreaking thing is that, you know, he's bearing a soul to somebody that actually is has the blood on his hands, you know, like Jesse feels responsible, but it's actually Walt who's potentially more responsible or certainly in a direct way and could have done something about it. So um, I think that's kind of the, the irony of the scene as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. This is an amazing, everything about this is really great. And I think, you know, we talked about that whole episode with Spood, you know, about the the realities of kind of taking drugs and the, the squalor they were living in. And here we've got this kind of crack house and these like phenomenal actors. I don't know whether they got these kind of people, these extras that just, they look like they fit the bill perfectly you know like these just these real kind of skinny wretched people and um they've done some really good makeup jobs on on them and um yeah i think it's i think it's really really good um and yeah i mean there's just there's so many layers to the scene that just makes it so emotional and um yeah i i'll i'll one of the things I really like about it or that I find really heartbreaking is that obviously this is the first time that he, that Jesse has verbalized to us as the audience that he loved Jane. You know, I mean, yep. it was, it was implied obviously, but it was often, often on TV shows like this, it's something that's said directly to a person, you know, rather than in retrospect after that person's died. So it's a, it's a really heartbreaking scene from that perspective. And yeah, I think Aaron Paul's acting is just, it's out of this world. It's just, it's, it's on another level, you know, it just, it, it is so amazing to kind of pull that performance out and also Brian Cranston 
athletes and to be able to react to that performance in such a convincing way as well. So, yeah, I think it just works so well and kind of goes back to the point I was talking about a little bit earlier that kind of Brian, sorry, Brian Krantz, <laughs> Walt sees himself as the as a father figure to Jesse. And so, you know, he didn't have to go in and kind of try and save this guy, but he sees himself as his father figure. He has still some semblance of guilt about what's happened and wants to help Jesse, you know. So I think there's a lot of a lot of layers to this. So I just really, really appreciate it. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal scene and, and um, I, I don't think I can speak highly enough of it really. It's, yeah, and I, I kind of just like the fact that it kind of, they've kind of portrayed this as almost like these people that are like animals, you know, they're kind of just like having sex in front of each other and nobody can really you know, care or, or knows that they're just so focused on being high and getting high. And I think it, yeah, it, it would have been really easy for this to go down a, a, a road where it just feels silly and, you know, like you don't really believe it um, or buy into it, but actually it, it doesn't do that. And, and that's what impresses me so much about this. And the thing too that I discovered as well, I think, is on that, I'm learning everything from that 50 things you didn't know about uh, Breaking Bad, is that uh, Aaron Paul never had acting lessons. He never, like, he never had acting lessons in his life. Um, kind of, this was just a thing that he did, and here he is, and this is what he's sort of uh, capable of. Um, I've seen he, he did get nominated for an Emmy for this season. He didn't win. His first of two that he won, it was from the next season onwards. But the one thing that I will say that I, 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 I'm looking at who he lost to. And I will say that there is a slight little bit of, okay, well, if he was to lose anyone, I'm glad he lost to this person, Michael Emerson, who played Ben in Lost. So to me, that was okay. If you're going to lose to anyone, you're going to lose to the guy who plays Benjamin Linus in Lost. I will accept that. Um, so, And he does go on to win a couple uh, in the future. So uh, that's at least a good thing there for Aaron Paul. Um, but uh, we've got uh, Jane's dad now is, uh, I guess, trying to pick out a dress for Jane's. First time we ever get to see Jane's apartment. And there's a pink teddy bear on this painting, uh, yeah. sort of in the top right-hand corner of this amazing painting behind her bed. Um, and he's, I guess he's on the phone to his, uh, I don't know if he's still married to Jane's mum or Jane's mum or someone, but when she's sort of, he's talking about, oh, there's not a yellow dress, there's only black. Like, when he pulls out this dress, is it purple or blue? He says it's yeah, well, blue. To me, it looks it, purple. It looks purple to me, yeah, yeah. Glad it's not just me. It's not that dress thing that the meme went around a few years ago where, like, it's meant to be. You'd meant to guess what uh, colour it is, but... Uh, yeah, he picked out this dress, uh, essentially, that, uh, yeah, is uh, this colour. So, obviously, you know, kind of just a, a nice little scene uh, between those two. Um, Walt's uh, caring for Holly and he keeps hearing this ding, ding. And I just, I do love Walt Jr. sitting there just going, yes, yes, like just sitting there watching it. I mean, it has PayPal and everything, so it is pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, Walt wants uh, him to turn it off because uh, he's feeling, I guess, guilty about it, but also claiming that it's disrupting um, Holly. And then Skylar comes in, the exciting news, Walt Jr. is going to be in the newspaper with a photo and everything. Um, <laughs> kind of like, I was like, photo and everything. Um, I will say... As someone who has worked at numerous newspapers, it is sometimes pretty cool when you go around to someone's house and do it, and you can tell they're legitimately excited to be in the newspaper. Like, you have, like, certain people, like, particularly young kids who are just like, like, wow, I'm going to be in the newspaper, and it's kind of, they're so excited. So I kind of like seeing this, like, it's that exciting. I'm going to be in the newspaper. So it's kind of cute. But obviously, yeah, Walt's, I guess, feeling uh, quite guilty for this as he's uh, nursing Holly. So, I mean, just some filler stuff here. I might sort of lump in the DEA scene here just because they're kind of all sort of back-to-back. This is one of these ones which, look, I I don't think this will make the top five. I just kind of think this is kind of a cool little scene when you've got um, Hank and Gus meeting 
and kind of you got Gus here finding out that Walt's got cancer and just kind of his reaction here, like the unassuming Gus, the way he's kind of like, you know, when Hank mentions about, um, you know, methamphetamines and he's like, oh, that's terrible. And then kind of when he finds out about his lung cancer, oh, that's a bad one and donates money and just... Again, you sort of mentioned, I think, uh, when we met Gus, it's kind of like he just he blends in. He doesn't want to, you know, be this type of person who's like a Tuco and someone who's so obviously a drug dealer. Like, you're never going to guess this guy is what he's doing. And little things like this, literally getting a tour of the DEA with what, like, local community leaders. And here he is flat out finding out that this guy he's going into business with uh, is sick and he's just calmly donating and Hank's like chuffed Hank's like oh like wow thank you so much and loving the fact that they do really good chicken as well as we're finding out so again like I'm not expecting this to make the top five I just I just like it as an honorary mention because I feel like it's a it's a pretty important scene that kind of once again right under Hank's nose is this guy right in front of him yeah and I think um, look, I, I don't have much to say about the other scenes. I, I'm just going to focus on this one. But yeah, I, I mean, I think that you know Walt's general annoyance at this, you know, like he's trying to he's trying to forget about this whole money being given to him. You know, like he doesn't want to really acknowledge it. And so every time that that ding goes off, which you know it sounds quite ominously like um, Hector's bell as well. Um, yeah. You know, like it, it's kind of just like this this kind of ding ding that's annoying him. So yeah, I think it's just like just telling us that that's getting under his skin really. Um, but yeah, I do I do really enjoy this scene and um i do love how it's filmed as well it kind of starts and in, in hank's office and you kind of come out and there's these two guys that he's going to meet and, and actually gus isn't in the frame at that point and then it kind of like zooms around and, and here he is um and i think you know like we had that kind of scene between um gus and walt a couple of episodes ago that i really enjoyed and and you know we had that whole thing about we're just like each other no we're nothing like each other and actually the one thing they do share is that they are so unassuming that they fly so low under the radar that nobody ever really um you know suspects them of doing anything i mean um the, if if gus wasn't more wasn't more careful and we're going to find out later on in the show how he distributes these drugs you know there, there are ways he could be caught um but he is so unassuming that nobody even really thinks of it because this is a bit of a ballsy move you're like he is actually oh, yeah. just basically going undercover to the dea to get information and you know like so he's using the fact that nobody ever ever think twice about him to to kind of, you know to, to get information and and also to stay it's kind of like going above the radar rather than under the radar which is which is really cool so um, for a guy that talks about how careful he is, this is potentially a risk he doesn't need to take. So it's, it is quite interesting that while he says he's really careful, we are going to find out that Gus will make strategic risks from time to time. Um, and on occasion, they may cost him, you know. So that, that, it's just interesting to think about it from that perspective. And, and obviously, this is a great scene in terms of it gives us a bit of a connection here where, you know, um, obviously Gus finds out that um, the guy he's dealing with and working with actually has a brother in the de- a brother-in-law in the DEA and so that's going to set off some red flags for Gus you know that he hasn't been told that and that's quite a big deal so yeah I I, I actually really like the scene it's um, yeah there's nothing particularly special about it it's not a top five scene by any means but I, I do really like kind of the, the information that we as viewers get through this. And there's a great scene next season kind of when Gus puts himself in a very similar situation, um, which, again, it's just great. And this is this is part of why I love this type of villain. It's like why well, I'm a big Benjamin Linus fan. I love these kind of like calm sort of unassuming villains who are just absolute sadistic pricks. Like, don't get me wrong, I love a hammy Bond villain, you know, take over the world as much as the next person. But, I mean, it's, it's why, like, as an avid defender of Spectre, 
Uh, I'm a big Christoph Waltz Blofeld fan, and I know that's not a very popular opinion in anymore. <laughs> you know, often a lot of these greatest Bond movie lists of all time now are putting Spectre at the very bottom, which is just absolutely ludicrous. But um, yeah, like it's just that type of villain that he is, and it's like if if we weren't spoiling, I mean, we're not spoiling, it, we are spoiling, it, but in the same way, like Colin, sorry, but like if you're watching this for the very first time, you're not going to assume this guy's a sadistic prick. Like you just is Mister Calm. He's just, you know, like I don't want to spoil what happens with this guy along the way, but holy crap the stuff he gets up to is insane it's the same as i said when we first met him it's when you meet the henry gale character in lost you're never going to assume that this guy's basically going to be the big bad of lost you know so it's um yeah it's i just like these type of villains and giancarlo esposito i mean holy crap i don't think he won an emmy which i think he got nominated for a few but um oh he's just I, I, I want to give this guy a lick. I'm just going to say it right now. I, I just I can't put it any other way, Nick. He's just so good. I love Giancarlo yeah. Esposito. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Insert Justin Bieber joke here, but I've already used that one. Um, <laughs> but uh, Jesse's gone to rehab. Uh, this is like, what's it called? Serenity. This looks kind of cool. I want to go mm. to Serenity. Like a steam pool and little tent things. Um I love the but green, I, I, again, like going back to the, the whole Vince Gilligan kind of um, fascination with colour, and it's not the last time in this, even this episode we're going to talk colour, but, um, yeah, like the bright green, you know, it's like everybody's in these kind of these bathrobes that are like like lime green. It's just it's really kind of like almost off-putting just how bright they are. <laughs> um, another one of these things that I was reading, doing a lot of research, and I was trying to stand up to you because you've got all the books, is that um, the the colour choice of clothes that Walt wears across the uh, five seasons. I don't know if you sort of uh, knew about that, how it kind of, he starts off wearing sort of lighter colours and kind of he ends up going darker as uh, he gets darker. So it's kind of these little, there's actually like a, a colour palette chart online of the episodes for Walt how he goes, you know, like we sort of mentioned last episode, he's kind of now Heisenberg, not really Walt anymore. So fascinating that, like, again, like, I, I, I mean, of course, one of the, maybe the main person we'd love to get on the show to talk about is Vince Gilligan. I mean, you pick his brain. But, like, I, I'd love to know, like, are these legitimate things that he's admitted to or just you've got such a fan base for this show that they've kind of decoded it and Vince Gilligan just, Gilligan just kind of been like, oh, well, you know, maybe that's true, maybe that's not. Like, I, I don't know if this is something that I Vince Gilligan comes out and admits. Yeah, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. Like, I think probably he had some ideas and they've kind of been extrapolated a little bit further by the fan base to maybe more than he had really intended them to be. But, you know, if, if somebody's going to do that, you're going to pick it up and run with it, really. Um, yeah, and I, I, I like I obviously have heard about kind of the, the colour choices they have for Walt in season one, at least, which is basically starts off as beige and then turns to wearing green by the end of season one, which is kind of like he's gone from being, you know, not dead, but, you know, like somebody whose life was meaningless to somebody that's come alive again, you know, um, so yeah, I think that there are some kind of quite subtle ways that they've done it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do, I do love these things, even if there's not like a completely mapped out reason for the for the color choices. And the one we'll talk about at the end of the episode, I think, is probably a little bit more superficial. But yeah, it's still interesting to talk about. Walt comes home, uh, now we've got like Albuquerque 1 or whatever it is, the news crew are there basically, it's gone viral this story. Um, I do love it when they kind of just have, you know, over-the-top newscaster, oh great, the dad's here, so we're going to have him on the side and in the middle just, yeah, we're all jerks, we get it. Um, and kind of poor old Walt here is, I guess, feeling incredibly guilty because Walter Jr. is basically saying that he's my hero, he's a great man and all this kind of stuff. The one thing I question about this, and, I, and again, I correct me if I'm wrong here, but, like, I, I can understand, like, Walt feeling guilty, but should there not be a level of kind of, oh, I'm a bit scared that somebody's going to see me, like, out there, that, like, you know, my family are here, like... 
you know, the cousins that we might meet next. Like, this could be something that somebody sees on the news who have seen what. Like, what about all of Tuco's henchmen that basically didn't die in the explosion? Like, I mean, again, I, I know we can't really make a big deal and say, like, I'm not going to be on camera. Like, I'll get exposed. But I don't know. Is this ever addressed that they kind of see him in the media a little bit because of this? Look, I, I, I don't totally remember but i think it's a fair criticism like i remember that um you know that crazy handful of nothing episode where he kind of goes up and you see those kind of really obvious shots of him kind of looking into the security cameras at tuco's pad you know like it is something that they really zoom in on that this guy isn't always hiding his identity and i think probably just goes back to that bigger point that i've made a few times of like he's so below the radar that you know it's just not an issue because nobody just nobody suspects he's capable of anything so he's just this mild-mannered guy that nobody's even thinking about um, so, so yeah, I, to me, I think that's all it really is. Um, happy to be corrected as we go along if people are picking up on this. Um, but yeah, there's nothing I can I can think of in my mental Rolodex about the show that, that gets picked up on um, later on. Mental Rolodex, I like that. I might steal that. Um, we've got uh, Walt about to go into surgery. He's uh, he's been knocked out. Basically, he's having some great drugs. This is probably the only time we ever see Walt on drugs, is it? Maybe. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I've put this down as a potential top five again because it's just a prominent little scene. Again, not something I think will make it because I think there's a much better Walton Skyler scene in this episode that deserves to make it. It's just a short little moment, which is very, very important, I think, kind of moving forward with Skyler, particularly what we're going to get in this episode. But uh, Skyler's basically, you know, oh, cool, you're all good to go. Give me this. Oh, did you bring your phone in? You know, do you want me to look after your phone? And to which Walt replies... Which one? Ooh. And I, I remember watching this for the first time going, uh-oh, you're in trouble. Um, to which Skylar's reaction uh, is just, I mean, and a gun, like, uh, you know. Luckily, we haven't had much Ted stuff recently, so, like, we can go back to praising her and feeling sorry for her. And I, I'm I'm going to say this right now when we get to a scene virtually. I, I'm team Skylar this episode. I am, I am on board with Skylar. Sorry, Walt fans, but, like, you know, stop bagging out Skylar. She has a very valid point in this episode. So, yeah, her reaction, I think, sells it. And then we kind of get this. I like the way they do this surgery scene because this is so easily capable of doing a nip-tuck style, gross you out, let's show them cutting in. But it's, it's so subtle. You just see these camera angles where all you see is kind of like, you know, him sort of moving from the, I guess, the pressure of what they're doing. You see them using the rib spreader and kind of just his feet shot from his feet and his head kind of being shaken around. Like, you could so easily just do the gross-out graphic nature of surgery, but no, they do it in a way where it's, I think it's more confronting not seeing it. Like, you see them kind of taking a little things out. You see this massive tumour getting put into a tray and, like, kind of this subtle little kind of saddish sort of song um, before we kind of fade to white and, uh, yeah, I'll maybe sort of just cap it there. But... Actually, no, I'll include the little recovery scene because I think kind of we keep it separately. It's, it, what we're, we're four weeks later or something along the lines afterwards and basically uh, we're finding out that um, it's gone as well as it can go and essentially that he's going to be able to slowly get back into uh, work and everything along those lines and Skylar's kind of questioning can he be left alone and we get the introduction of Walt's lovely pink uh, jumper. Uh, but, yeah, I... I, I Everything here, like I've sort of you know, lumped everything all together there. But I mean, yeah, the phone, the bit alone there of the which one. I mean, that's a pretty iconic moment. Again, probably won't crack the top five because I think we've got bigger, better ones to include. But um, yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty important. Yeah, it's great. It's um, it, it's yeah, that real iconic moment that kind of moves this on. And um, I think we kind of needed it. I think we were at the point where I think I've said this a few times, but I think we we would start to really stretch credibility of you know 
that you start to think that actually Skylar was a bit dumb if she wasn't picking up on stuff from here on out. You know, like you kind of need to move to a space where Skylar knows something's up, you know? Um, and so I think it was time. This felt like the right time to kind of move this particular story along. It's done in a really great way, you know, like Walt can't wriggle out of this one, you know, like it, it is just really, really good. But I also like the fact that it has like Skylar has to kind of keep her cool in the moment because obviously it's not the time to, to lose her shit because he's about to go unconscious anyway, but also Walt Jr.'s there. And so on a number of levels, she kind of has to play it off kind of, yeah. And you're right. Kind of like Anna Gunn's acting here is amazing. Um, so yeah, that's really cool. The, the surgery scene itself. Yeah, I agree. I actually think this is a really confronting surgery. It kind of, I was having some, some nip tuck flashbacks here as we were watching this, but um, yeah, I think the kind of like just the way that they're kind of having to be really kind of brutal with them in order to um um you know to get the surgery done and i like the fact that you kind of start with this um you know like he has um like these two little lumps come out of him and you think oh is that all it was and then like this massive tumor kind of comes out which i think is quite a quite a cool little style that they use there to kind of just really um hammer at home kind of what's what's gone on there um yeah and um yeah, then kind of like the scene afterwards, I think, is we obviously talked about this pink pink jersey and, you know, like the same colour as the pink teddy bear. So, yeah, because suddenly, um, what well, suddenly being in pink is a very odd thing to have kind of just suddenly arrived. It's kind of like quite a, quite a weird thing. I don't mind it. Um, I'm just saying it. You don't I, mind I'm it. a man who wears pink. I, I, I'm, I'm proud enough to wear pink. I just feel like it's a bit of a kind of comes out of nowhere, really. It's, um, yeah, but but anyway, and, and, and obviously kind of like the key line here is that, you know, Skylar's trying to say, like, how soon can he be left alone? Like, can I can I leave him now? Basically, is it, you know, the subtext of this, which I think is, is um, yeah, is, is really interesting. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I think it's... Um, it's all good stuff. Like it's all kind of, it's kind of like the key plot device of this whole episode. It kind of drives the plot forwards, kind of takes us to where we're going to go next, which I think is, you know, is, is really interesting. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I really like this. I think it's, I think it's good. All of it's, done really really well i think this is kind of that moment for anna gunn to shine um you know that we've seen so much from from all the other actors that they've been able to to kind of do their thing but um yeah now she's getting her opportunity to do this um one, one kind of sad thing that i heard about this though actually is that um our doctor here david house um which is his real name um he actually passed away of cancer in 2016 so oh. um it's kind of like a sad um sad kind of end to, to that story as well um wow. but yeah um yeah so i mean it's it's quite i guess ironic that, that that's what happens to him when he's you know playing a cancer doctor but um but yeah it's um just an, a kind of a bit of a downer probably shouldn't have brought that up but yeah. uh, i think we have <laughs> a habit on our shows of just randomly pointing out that people are dead <laughs> and if they're not they're gonna die soon so um oh yeah i'm seeing that now that's that's very sad oh well there you go rest in peace david house um, what was that doc? What was House's name in that show? House wasn't it? Uh, he was ha- something House, wasn't he? Yeah, I can't I remember. Watch that show. An- an- another show I've never watched. Yeah, no, me neither. I didn't didn't get the appeal. Um, so another thing too. This is the first time we get the uh, the goatee from Walt, isn't it? Which, yes. Uh, yeah. He's going to mention very shortly. Which doesn't it change color? Like it's kind of like sort of orange at the moment, but later on it kind of gets darker. Like I, I don't know if that was deliberate or maybe it's um, just the maybe it's just the reflection of that pink jersey that kind of looks, <laughs> looks more. Uh, we get a bit of a scene with Jane's dad kind of back at work and 
not overly sympathetic guy in the lunchroom is just like, oh, yeah, we heard. Oh, yeah, what a blow. <laughs> like, it's just kind of awkwardly saying there and sort of Jane's dad's like, oh, it's been like a month time to get back to work. And we find out that he's a air traffic controller, uh, basically, which uh, I believe, remember watching a documentary on it once, and it's one of the most stressful jobs in the world is air traffic controlling. Um, it's, yeah, not a... I think if you get into it, you've got to be incredibly smart and working under stress. Is maybe that's a precursor to what we're going to see kind of happen in this episode. Um, and then we get, uh, yeah, this is the other, of all the four, this is, again, one of the two that I think maybe stands out the most as a very prominent scene, sort of. Skylar basically leaving Walt. So she's pieced everything together. You kind of said it before about how, you know, maybe you'd think she's a bit dumb if she doesn't work this out. Uh, but uh, she's packing her things up, saying she's going to go stay with Hank and Marie and that she wants Walt gone basically by, like, Monday or something. So she then reveals... And, it's like, like, I didn't know how I used to feel about this, kind of like how four weeks have passed and you kind of like, what, she's just lived with him for four weeks and sat on this? But, yeah, it makes sense. Like, as you kind of said, you know, she's asking, can she leave him? She's not going to be such a... And, this again, why do people bag out Skylar? She could have left and, like, never saw him again after the surgery. She waited and looked after him and then kind of, you know, bought her time in some sort of way. So... Uh, basically, the second cell phone set her on her path. Uh, she found out, uh, she rang up Gretchen and Elliot, basically because she thought that uh, Walt was having an affair with Gretchen. Gretchen uh, told the truth that they had never donated any single uh, cent of money to them. And then uh, Skylar called up Walt's mum and basically she didn't even know and, uh, you know, didn't uh, get any help from that as well. So, um, yeah, Skylar leaves. And Walt essentially kind of runs after her and says, um, you know, look, I'll tell you the truth. And to which, again, Anna Gunn, great acting, just the way she looks at him and just says, whatever it is, I'm afraid to know. And then she drives away. Um, and look, I, I'm, I'm, again, I know we're meant to be Team Walt. This is a show about Walt's, you know, I get it. And Walt and Jesse, I understand. Um, this is not me saying I don't like Walt. But, like, I, I kind of have to be with Skylar here. Like, kind of as you said, like, I mean... What, is she dumb? Like, does she just play nothing? Like, if this was in any real-life situation, you are got to act this way. Like, I mean, come on. Like, Skylar has every right to leave right now, and I think she's handled it very well. She's not lost it. She's not been completely terrible. Yeah, she's going to do shit next season, which will piss me off and I won't defend. But, like, here, I'm I'm with her. I'm, I'm completely Team Skylar here. So um, I'm saying this nominee for a top five scene. Great acting. Anna Gunn's fantastic. Uh, and kind of it's a, it's a, that sort of crescendo to something that you feel is inevitable, that eventually Skylar has to catch on to something here that is going to make her leave. Well, this is the climax of the season in some way, like because we, like what we get after this is pretty much just a capper. Like there isn't much there. It kind of, you know, we we um we get like we, well, it's probably not true. I guess probably the stuff we get in the in the final scene is the climax, right? But this is the kind of emotional climax, I think, of the of the the whole season. Um, and it's kind of like Skylar having you know stuff that she's kind of been putting off in the back of her head, you know, for the for the good of the family and the good of her husband's health. Is now suddenly she she can't put it to one side anymore. Um, um, and um, yeah, I think it's really great. Like some of the things I really like about this is kind of um, the the way that she kind of gets up real close to him and kind of delivers yeah. those lines real close. I just I I love that. I think it's it's just done in such a way that it just feels real. Like everything about this just feels. It doesn't feel like they're just yelling. Like you know, like I think in a lot of other um, you know nowhere near as good shows, you'd have her kind of picking ornaments up and throwing them at him. And you know, like I think that just the calm nature in which she kind of delivers this makes it more kind of um, 
hurtful to him, I suppose. Like I think if, if she had really yelled at him, there would be a different story. And, you know, she kind of like just gradually teases out the information she knows as well. So it's not like she just goes, I know all this stuff, throws stuff at him and leaves. It's kind of like, she kind of like just walks him into a trap, you know, like mm. um, he tries to pretend he doesn't know things um, to the point where he eventually just can't lie anymore. He has to kind of be honest with her. And by that point, she actually just, as, as she says, like, whatever it is, I don't want to know. Um, so, so yeah, I think that that's, you know, that's really interesting and yeah like just even things like when he says oh i'm not having an affair with gretchen she's like yeah i know because i called her and then mm-hmm. you know like you know I, I called your mother and i hate talking to her so thanks for that you know like yeah. so i know so i know that so you know every kind of if you're going to try and you know take a detour or you know turn off here and, and get yourself out of this i've covered all my bases and you aren't gonna get out of this like yeah and, and i just i think it's just really really well written as well i think this is one of those cases where this dialogue is incredibly well written and we often give the the actors and and you know the director and whoever a lot of credit but i think giving the writers some credit for the dialogue and and how it's written here and, and feeling so believable i think is is really important too so yeah I, I can't speak highly enough of this um you know it's very very different from the jesse scene but just as powerful i think yeah, no, completely, completely agree. Um, yeah, it's kind of, I, I like your sort of notion, it's kind of almost like the emotional ending to the season because basically all we're going to get now at the end is just telling us what happened, why we've had black and white teddy bears and all this sort of stuff. So Jane's dad is uh, having a bit of a, a mental moment here. Uh, essentially, he's saying Jane and all this kind of stuff while directing planes and he's so distraught and pressured still, he shouldn't be back at work that essentially... His uh, actions caused two planes to crash over the top of Albuquerque. So Walt's sitting in his backyard, staring at the pool. We hear an explosion. He looks up. Um, I feel like, again, we are watching Lost. I feel like we're going to have Ben yelling at them, going, you go there, could be survivors. Go pretend. Form in there. Go to the tail section. Um, We get this great shot. I love this POV shot of the bear falling out of the sky, kind of the way you see the overhead of Albuquerque and spins around. You see the flame and the debris and then the way it crashes into the pool and basically you see Walt kind of kind of seeing this teddy bear just floating in this pool and then it fades to black. Um, I mean, look, I, yeah, I mean, realistically, this could be a nominee for a top five, but I, I don't know if it's prominent. I just like the visual aspect of the way this bear falls into the pool. But um, that's our big reveal. That's what's happened this season, why we've had this. Basically, a plane crashes over Walt's house and it all comes to a crescendo because if you kind of piece it all together, that this wouldn't have happened if uh, Walt had not basically left Jane to die. Because uh, by letting Jane die, her dad basically was so distraught that uh, was so emotional that wasn't doing his job properly and caused two planes to crash and kill all these people. So uh, again, it's a domino effect, sliding doors, all this kind of stuff. Um, it's pretty harrowing when you kind of piece it together and realise just how far Walt's come uh, to getting a slow hand job in the very first episode to all of a sudden essentially the death of two airliners crashing over Albuquerque. So um, yeah, again. Not in a million years that I ever think this is what was uh, they were piecing together. And just just so I don't, I'll bring it up now as well. So the the four black and white episodes that begin, and again to piece those episodes together, essentially, which again I can't believe I never knew this till only a few days ago. Uh, we basically the four episodes with the opening of the black and white with the teddy bear were seven thirty seven down over ABQ. Incredibly clever. Well done, Vince Gilligan. A round of applause for you. Yeah, and I don't think that is something that people would have picked up on until, you know, afterwards, which I think is really good. So, like, there there are aspects of this. So, there's kind of like the actual talking about the scene itself, which I think is is very well done. I mean, obviously, the the there's elements of 
of this, which are CGI, you know, the stuff of actually, um, you know, the, the, the teddy bear falling out and doing the POV from the teddy bear. That's a, that's a CGI shot, but it's obviously using Albuquerque as a reference. So like when you see that kind of landscape, that is, that is Albuquerque, which is, which is good and important, obviously. Um, but I do, I love the particular bit of the shot where it kind of flips around and you actually see the, the kind of plane crash above it, which I think is really cool. So yeah, I think, I think that that's great. And um, I kind of, I, I like all of that. Um, if I'm going to get into what I actually think about this, I'm still really conflicted about it because I think there are parts of it that I like. Um, I think it kind of ends a bit too abruptly for me. I'd like to just have a little bit more information kind of teased out in this episode and, you know, a little bit of a spoiler alert, but we are going to probably get that in episode one of season three is the, the fallout, I guess, um, physically and, and emotionally of, of this plane crash. So that kind of comes later, but it kind of feels like quite an abrupt end to me. I think I probably would have just preferred for a season finale. I would have just preferred a little bit more afterwards. Um, yeah. To me, I think kind of the, the, you know, the amount of, of kind of, um, I guess, investment made by both the you know the the producers of the show but also the viewers of kind of trying to figure out this mystery fit to for it to kind of be revealed as something that is like tenuously related to Walt and his story as opposed to something like I think when you've seen bodies in his in his backyard and things like that like you kind of think this is going to have a direct link to him and the drug stuff and all that and and it doesn't and so like I'm kind of torn like I, I do like aspects of it i like the kind of the filmmaking style I, I like all that kind of stuff but i am kind of left a little bit i guess a little bit disappointed that i, I just it feels a bit small scale i guess which is, sounds weird to talk about a plane crash that kills hundreds of people or whatever it is you know has been small scale but it just it doesn't feel entirely linked to walt in a way that satisfies me and i'm nitpicking this is awesome like it's, it's awesome stuff it's a great episode i'm going to be buying this episode so don't get me wrong but it just feels like for a season finale yeah i'm 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 a little bit disappointed i feel got a little bit of an empty feeling on this one um and and that's just me you know like i think that it's probably one of those things you could have never have guessed what this was going to be um the thing it ends up being is, is not really what I particularly wanted, but I, I guess I'm, you know, I might be the minority there. I don't know. No, I like, and it's kind of what I was alluding to at the beginning where it's kind of like, it's, it's an epic build up and it's something you're not expecting, but like on the grand scheme of things, this doesn't really outside of the whole domino effect of Walt's actions. It doesn't really lead to anything. Like, I mean, yeah, you get sort of in the next episode, we'll get to some, you know, fallout from this, but it's kind of, swiftly forgotten about pretty quickly you know like it, it, i don't know i feel like it, if something could be a bit more connected to this in some way I, I yeah it's kind of interesting but um you know it's something different you know it's kind of not, not everything has to be connected i guess you can kind of have a one season storyline and it's kind of fine but well, um, i think, the, I think yeah. the thing too is like you know I, as we've talked a lot about during the season is that the theme of the season was um you know the the unintended consequences of your actions um and so this is the the ultimate unintended consequences that you know what Walt has obviously no way of knowing that by by making a selfish decision and letting Jane die because it solves a problem for him in the moment that that's going to result in all these people dying in an indirect way, you know, a few days later. Um, I think it's a really cool idea. I, I do like that idea that, you know, you, 
that whole butterfly effect, you know, of like you do one thing and it leads to a whole bunch of other unrelated things. Um, I think I think it's a really really cool idea to explore. I just don't think this is the show to explore it in. You know, mm. I think that that's kind of like a really good setup for maybe some cool sci-fi series or something. But this is not that. This is kind of you know like it's a show about this guy who's dealing drugs and and that's what I want to see. Um, and you know like that's where the show's going to go. So uh, overall, I'm not worried. Like if this if the if we then went into like a two season story arc about all the the victims of the plane crash and you know like and how Walt's connected to the, like then I would be pissed off and 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 not be happy with the direction the show goes in. But like you say, it's a one season thing. We kind of move on from it really, and it tells an interesting story. Um, it's just probably not what I expected. So um, yeah. It, it, really mixed emotions kind of watching this i suppose what is it about you and i with the shows we cover where plane crashes aren't exactly equated to amazing things um <laughs> yeah. like sal perry um just yeah okay um yeah trivia i'm sort of reading a lot here of the stuff kind of already mentioned i like here um when hank brings up the donation jar that kind of when you first see it uh the photo of uh wall is kind of underneath the wanted sign on the wall kind of uh you know a, a possible um yeah like a cursor to that um first episode the Walt does not have a mustache as he has a goatee the goatee remains until granite state uh so there you go um and jane's dead body can be seen very very visibly breathing when mike comes in to clean up the scene there you go I uh, didn't know that. Oh, oh, here's a big one. I'm sure you picked up on this one. Technical error. The NTSB workers clearing the airplane crash debris are wearing North 5,400 full-face respirators but have no filtration cartridges installed. Oh, jeez. Come on, Vince. Yeah, get it right. What Jesus. Everyone knows that. Uh, there you go. Um, yeah, I'm buying this one. You're buying this one. I don't think there's any question about that. I guess it's just a matter of uh, where we're rating this one, Nick. Uh, I'm just looking here at uh, the ringer, and uh, I'll I'll find out where they rate this, and they rate it 28th out of 62. So uh, top half for them. So there you go. So kind of the yeah yeah so kind of the bottom of the top half, right? Yeah. So I mean I've got it at at it's just sitting inside my top 10. So it's kind of number nine at the moment, and so it's between last week's episodes. So I've got Phoenix at, at number eight, then this is number nine, and then Negro Eazul is number 11. It's interesting that kind of we talked about this as a, as a trilogy because I've got kind of Mandela's six, Phoenix is eight, and then this is nine. So it kind of, you know, like those three are all kind of really closely together here. And I think they're all, I think they're all good episodes. Like they are really good episodes. Um, and, um, I am really nitpicking here, you know. Like when, if, if you're hearing me sound disappointed, it's um, it's only because I know how great the show is and can be. And so there, there are just some little elements of this that I'm not entirely satisfied with. Um, but you know, they're still all top ten episodes at the moment. Um, so um, yeah, gr- a great episode, lots to love about it. And I think we've picked out some individual scenes here, which I think are sometimes forgotten in the shuffle too a little bit. You know, I think that those the the, the two that were especially that well the three sorry that we've talked about in this episode i think are all really really good and probably not ones that when you think about oh yeah the stuff from season two there was that one and mike's introduction and jesse and you know like you you might forget them and so i think you know for that reason alone it's got some some really really great scenes that make it a, a fantastic episode i have a very similar to you in the fact that i have a sandwich between phoenix and negro ears all as well but mine is uh 10th ABQ, so Phoenix was 9, Negro Azul was 11, I've got Mandela at 12, so very similar. This is smack bang in the halfway point for me after 20 episodes, I've got this 10th 
So, uh, which is uh, both above the season finale of last season. Yes, it is. So, um, yeah, it's going to make it very interesting next week when it comes to uh, rating the seasons. I'm very intrigued for that. Um, and on that note, that's what we'll be back next week. We're doing our season two wrap, where, of course, uh, the first time we've got to make a decision about rating seasons. We'll have our top five moments and we'll kind of summarize everything over and over again and just kind of go over the bits and everything as well. So, Looking forward to that. Uh, any kind of initial thoughts in your head right now of uh, ratings and top five moments for next week uh, to get a bit excited for it? Yeah, well, I think it will be interesting because I think um, in my mind, I, I think there's kind of three scenes that we absolutely have to have in our top five. And then there's I think there's going to be a real shit fight about what we put in there to fill up the, the others because there are so many good ones. And it's a good position to be in that we're not kind of scratching our head going, what are we going to chuck in here? Like there is just so many good ones, which, you know, so that's exciting. It's exciting to be in that situation. So um, I think that's really good. Yeah, I, I think the discussion about which season is better of the two is is, is a complicated one for a couple mm. of reasons. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that as well. And, and, and yeah, and then I am starting to look forward to, to looking ahead to, to what comes next in season three. Yeah, I'm still on the fence. Uh, I watched a couple of rating the seasons of Big Bad, B- Big Bad, Breaking Bad uh, videos on YouTube, and even some of them are all over the shop with how they rank season one and season two. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, maybe our most interesting ratings to date. So we'll kind of see how that plays out. But that's next week. Uh, in the meantime, if you're enjoying us, you missed any of the episodes, they're all available online. You'll hear sort of how to subscribe at the end uh, through our closing credits. But uh, like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, all good podcast channels available there. Leave us some feedback. We'd love to know what you're thinking about our show as well as covering Breaking Bad. And if you enjoy our coverage of this show, you'll probably enjoy our coverage of 24 as well. And I hopefully think Lost might be up and running too by the time this gets released. If it's not, it's coming, folks. Trust me. Uh, blame Noah. But uh, we we love bringing you all the coverage around it and uh, we hope to uh, continue many, many more episodes into the future. My name is Ben and I'm unfamiliar with that name. Was he a Nobel Laureate, perhaps? My name's Nick and I woke up, I podcasted, that's all I know. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. 
For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>